Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, and they found a plain in the land of Shinir, modern Iraq, and they dwelt there. And then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for motor. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they'll have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. This is the beginning of nations, and this explains a lot to us about the days and times that we live in right now, and the political agendas of the globalists and the global government, and these things, these antichrist things that we see all around us, whether it's in the entertainment industry, politics, and various other forms. Babel is the beginning of man's outward attempt to live on this planet where man is exalted, man governs himself and the planet without any subjection to or submission to the authority of God's design, purposes, orders, his word, and his will. It's best summarized in Psalm 2 by the Holy Spirit when there it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing against the Lord and against his anointed? And it goes on to say, pay homage to the son. And in that psalm, it also says that, that the father says to the son, you are my son, and today I've begotten thee, and I'm going to give you all the nations. It's a very interesting psalm because it explains to us and shows us how humanity, through human government, would seek to cast off any influence of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, guiding the human governments, whether it be a global one, if you will, or n- nation-state governments, and it shows that. But it also shows how the father has a plan for the son that through all the different distinct nations, he will raise up for the son worshipers and followers who will serve him. Then we're told in Revelation chapter 5 in the throne room before the great tribulation unveils for us in the timeline of the book of Revelation that every tongue and tribe and nation is there represented in the throne room worshiping Jesus Christ, and we're told that they shall rule and reign with him. And it all begins here at the Tower of Babel. There's two choices of governance for our lives, for our homes, and certainly for the nations that we live in and this planet. There is to be under the authority of the governing force of the Holy Spirit under the lordship of Jesus Christ, which we choose with our own volitional self-will, self-determination, or there is to be like the Tower of Babel to, or as Psalm 2 says, to cast off the Lord, his word, his guidelines, his blessings. And again, Psalm 1830 tells us, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven, and he's a shield to all those who trust in him. So to cast off the Lord's purposes is very foolish because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And his purposes are perfect. His plans are perfect. And even Job, when he went through all of his heartaches, he said at the end, I'd previously heard about the Lord, but now I know the Lord. Through his heartaches and 
tribulations and testings, he came to a deeper relationship with the Lord. And then the New Testament tells us, even in the most difficult of lives, which Job's life is a testimony of all the loss of value and possessions, and more importantly, family members and loved ones, we're told by the Holy Spirit in the book of James, we see the end that the Lord intended. Or also well summarized in Romans chapter 8, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, being conformed to the image of his son. And why are we being conformed to the image of his son? Because through our life experiences, when we're governed by Christ and under the Holy Spirit, we're becoming like Jesus through everything working for good so we can rule and reign with him in the next dimension for what he has. So as we submit to his government in time, space, and matter, we will reign with him in his government in the next realm, the next age. That's his plan. But for those who say, like the Tower of Babel, will do it our way, and they cast off the Lord and see the Lord as somehow restraining them from something good, as if God is not good, and he's not light, but in self-determination and free will and choice that we have, individuals, families, nations, and even an entire planet is going to come to a place where they say, we will not have this man rule over us. The Tower of Babel is a book end of how the nation experience began in the post-flood world, the second chance for humanity. And Mystery Babylon in the book of Revelation is the other bookend. And in the middle is the human experience that we're rolling through right now. But also there's Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar that is also a key experience and event in human history that helps us interpret biblical events even now in our time. So you have the Tower of Babel where it begins with Nimrod leading the establishment of Babel with what they did here. Then you have Nebuchadnezzar almost 1,500 years later and Babylon arising as a state nation becoming a superpower in just one generation and being the greatest of nations under Nebuchadnezzar so great that God gave the dream to Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar in the vision of metals was the head of gold and all subsequent generations which are historically proven to have existed, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greeks under Alexander the Great, the Seleucid Empire and the subdivision empires after Greece fell are all less than, let alone the Roman Empire which is the Ten Toes which we now have Europe revive Rome in the biblical timeline. Nebuchadnezzar was a top, so stay with me. Nimrod, Babel, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, and that's past, past, and in the future, the Antichrist, Mystery Babylon. That's where it's going. All three, past, past, present tense, moving toward, and the future, it revolves around the beginning of this event. This is the beginning of global one world government wanting nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Of all the hostility you see on the planet right now against Jesus Christ, this is the beginning of it. Let us go down and confuse their language. That's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We'll make him in our image. God is triune, Father, Son, and Spirit in one. And as humanity came together into Nimrod and said, let us do this and let us do that and let us build this to the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, all the pride. And it's not much different than Satan. For Satan said, I will, I will, I will, I will. All it is is an expansion. It's a kumbaya experience of global 
philosophies, worldviews, and religions saying we will instead of I will, but it's the same sense. It's a unity of fallen humanity saying we will govern ourselves without God at all. And this is the post-flood world. It didn't take long to get here. That's what you have here at the Tower of Babel. It's man's attempt at global government 100% devoid on this planet of God's presence, word, and governance over them. And we're told in the last days before Christ comes for his church and before he comes with his church after that, that people will reject the truth to believe a lie and God will give them over to a strong delusion to do just that. It's funny because we see bumper stickers in our day that would say coexist on the back and show all these symbols of world religions. But those religions are not compatible. Their belief systems are not compatible. There will be a religious system when the church is gone during the reign of the Antichrist. There is a religious system. And that's the great thing that the Antichrist will do in the future with a global government like Nimrod, he'll be a mighty man, but this man is not just a mighty man, he's a mighty man with all the power of Satan. That's more than Nimrod had. That's where the planet's going. And while we preach tolerance and diversity and plurality in our planet right now, it's there for everything that's contrary to God and his word, but it's opposed to everything that's related to God and his word. It's an incredible time we get to live in, WG, Body of Christ, 2019. It's an amazing time we get to be here on this planet. You think, man, I, I think I would have done well in the 1700s. Well, that's not when you're made. That's not when you're created. That's not your timeline. This is your timeline. We live for such a time as this. Now, this, this attempt of man to be governed without God, we see this throughout the Bible and human history. We think about how it went from this event and the spoken word there in Psalm 2, as I mentioned and began with. And by the way, with Psalm 2, the very first preaching of the church on the day of Pentecost with Peter the Apostle, he quotes Psalm 2. Because the Jewish nation cast off the Lord and said, we'll not have this man rule over us. And Psalm 2 is an undergirding current with nation states particularly in the church age in the last 2,000 years. We talked about this. North Korea rejects the gospel, oppresses the gospel, and those who believe it, South Korea embraces the gospel and is one of the strongest economies in the world and one of the most freest nations in the world. Yet they are South Korean. They're not like Americans. They weren't British that founded the colonies with the biblical principles that founded this country. They're South Koreans. They're Koreans, ethnically, who embraced the gospel message, particularly about 100 years ago, and those two worldviews and those different ideologies led to a major war between the communists who have no room for God in their world, a Babel, antichrist worldview. And thus you had the Korean War, which my dad is a veteran of. It was freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of choice, where the church could thrive and men could make their own choices with self-determination or a totalitarian, authoritarian, oppressive government of North Korea and the backing of Chairman Mao Zedong and the communist forces. And it was a draw, the 38th parallel. 
Thus, today, there's death camps with Christians in them in North Korea, and there's people preaching the gospels on the streets when you take the various public transportations around Seoul. This is the battle of the ages, that Christ can be exalted or Christ is repressed, that governments embrace his principles and his word and his person reigning over them, or they full and wholeheartedly reject him. How do we get to where we have such a powerful push in our timeline for global government? Well, the facts are pretty easy to see. And the globalists and the global bankers who seek to take over this world and control everything to the minutest detail, which they someday will, with the power of the Antichrist, we see God made this, the nation states. We see that in the table of nations, and we saw it right here in the back part of what we just read in chapter 11. But when you look at the nation states and the wars, particularly the European wars of the 1800s and Napoleonic wars and the dramatic wars that followed those and right into the time of the Kaiser rolling into World War I, where you had these allegiances of nations, all these different people that had these alliances, and once the assassination happened of Archduke Ferdinand of Austria, it put everything in motion and these nation states that had built these things together to protect themselves against other nation states, we had the global war. Now, the numbers of World War I were just un- unbelievable. At least 40 million people died in World War I, and there was only a couple billion people on the planet at that time. We're over 8 billion now. And it was just an incredible war. And so after World War I came the League of Nations after the armistice, with Woodrow Wilson, our president, leading the way, and it was a move toward global government. That's right about the time the Fed sold out the bank and we created the Federal Banking Reserve for our economy. I'm just speaking the truth and facts. And I've asked the Lord to really help me stay on point tonight because there's a lot I want to say that I won't say. I'll just say the things that are biblical and I need to say in context with the passage. 40 million people, World War I was never resolved. You know your history, you know that. So it just rolls into Hitler and the rise of his fascism, which is an evil form of nationalism. That's what it is. And they were very powerful, and he did the things that he could do, and he did them. And the Germans did what they did, and they oppressed the Christians and the Jews and everybody that wasn't their idea of ideal humans. And they did all the experiments with eugenics and trying to create superhumans, like you try and create a better grape that tastes like cotton candy without seeds. But they did it with people. That's what they did. And it was horrible, and it was crimes against humanity. And a lot of them got away with it and became police officers in the East German forces, West German forces. A lot of them were caught by the Israelis and tried. A lot of them were hung by uh, the UN courts, if you will, the tribunals. But they did very evil things. And after the end of World War II, the estimated death total was between 70 and 85 million. The push for global government got stronger, and you got the UN. And that's how we got our UN. Now, if you know anything about the UN, it's incredibly corrupt. It is incredibly corrupt. They're constantly under investigation for all types of corruption against human rights. It's so corrupt, but human government's corrupt. A city-state government's corrupt. A local government is generally corrupt. A global government is profoundly corrupt. And of course, this nation, with all the benefits of who we are and the gospel foundation of our nation and our founding fathers who framed this unique nation unlike any other nation in human history. We still have the benefits of it, so we're still the head, not the tail, although we become the tail, quoting the Old Testament. Ten will put a hundred to flight, like it says of Israel in the Old Testament. 
We've done the vast majority of funding for UN projects. So we're the funder of global government, but our, our convictions and ideologies of the history of our nation are not shaping and molding the global government. Of course not. Do you think with over 50 countries profoundly hostile and, ob and completely objection to the freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their country, they'll take our money, but they won't let us be salt and light to influence how we shape and think our decisions, how we treat people. So again, it's like a modern Babylon and modern Babel because you have these, this global government and there's such a push to subject our government to the global government. Of course, this is what the Kyoto Treaty is about. That's what the whole climate change is about. It's not about climate change. It's about global laws enforced by a global government that subject everybody to one government. It's not about climate change, WG. It's about global control by governments of men rejecting the rule and governance of Christ over their lives. And this is the time we live in, so praise the Lord. What an exciting time to be alive. You weren't alive for Charles Finney's revivals, or D.L. Moody's revivals, or Amy Semper Fi and her miracles, or Paul's healing handkerchiefs. We're alive right now to be alive at this time. Oh, and what a time it is. Pastor Chuck Smith thought he was in that time. We're way more in that time. He's like the warm-up band to what we're going through right now and what we see happening in our day. When I first got saved and heard about Israel being a nation and I heard about a cashless society and the revived European, that's, you know, many of you know the story, but Jennifer said, how do you know Jesus is coming back? I shared it in my college class and I told her those three things and she goes, well, that's true. Because they are true. Boy, but we thought when they had the little blipper when you drove by and they could see your car and blip you with a microchip in your car, back in 1992, we thought that was the end of the world. I've purposed to be very positive and optimistic on this text because it is reality, and what does it mean for us? Because we see these forces of evil people with lots of money, lots of media, lots of power attacking Christians, and it's hard to watch. I mean, of course, most of you know after 9-11, the Patriot Act changed a lot of our freedoms as citizens of this country. The whole global finances were changed after 9-11, thus the famous Building 7 that people talk about. You just Google Building 7, you can read anything you want to read on your own. Whether it's true or not doesn't matter to me. The fact is, global government changed after 9-11. The previous finances, the way they worked before 9-11, worked through Building 7. Building 7 was destroyed on that day, however it was destroyed. <laughs> Interestingly enough, there's a report that came out this week about nine, 18 years later, some opinions on how it was destroyed. It's, it's mainstream media. It's not like alternative media. You can read it for yourself. Just Google it. Whatever happened in Building 7, it changed how global economy works. The global banks, the globalists, we lost our freedoms and they gained more power. But we shall live not in fear, but in faith. And as there are people who would have served the Lord in the time of Babel, there are people that will serve the Lord in the last days. And that's who we are. But make no mistake, we live in a perilous time. And we live in the last days. This is how we got here. 
global government because you can't trust nation states. And by the way, two years ago when our president addressed the UN, he talked about the necessity of nation states. You can Google that message anywhere. It's an incredible message about why America has to be its own country and Afghanistan needs to be its own country and South Korea and Japan and Colombia and Nicaragua and they need to be their own countries because the uniqueness of the cultures and the diversity of the cultures, all the good things are the distinctions of humanity. They're very important to the human experience and that pluralism is the enemy of the human experience because God has made us a mosaic of different people with different insights and talents and gifts. And when you pluralize us into a global government, it just subjugates us to the Antichrist eventually. And we need to celebrate our diversity. Now, the body of Christ is good about that. Uh, A big word in recent times has been mosaic. We're a mosaic. You know, there's mosaic churches, right? And it's celebrating the distinctions of our ethnicities, which is, is beautiful, God drew these border distinctions. He drew these ethnic distinctions. He did this to protect us from ourselves because as bad as we are with nation states going to war with each other, which is human history, we're going to always go to war with each other. One tribe of Incas attacks another tribe of Incas. That's human history. One dramatic tribe goes after the Gauls. You know, I mean, this is human history. But it preserves the species because the species unified becomes the Antichrist global government with no place to submit to the governance of God. And one man with all the power of devil will control all economy, all commerce, and that economy he controls is called Mystery Babylon in the book of Revelation. And God destroys it in one hour. All that global economy, by the way, it's all the entertainment industry, everything, it all goes in one hour in the book of Revelation. But we're the church, and we're salt and light. And we restrain that force and that evil even as we live in it. So Drew Brees says, take your Bible to school, and it gets attacked, profoundly attacked by all these people, the quarterback from the New Orleans Saints. Profoundly attacked. Oh, man, how dare you tell people to take their Bible to school in conjunction with focus on the family? You see how the left polarizes people from expressing freedoms of faith and freedoms of truth, and they make them evil because good calls God said through Isaiah, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. And that's exactly what goes on in this nation right now. And I'm not telling you anything most of you don't know. How ironic today to read of Chick-fil-A opening up a new restaurant in Toronto and all these forces of people coming against them because they're Christians and they choose to sow bountifully the gospel of Jesus Christ in ministries they believe in. So they're attacked by all these people who say, we will cast out of its bonds and not have them rule over us. They are Psalm 2, the people who come against Chick-fil-A who honor Sunday and don't want to be open on Sunday. And that's in Canada. And they talk about all oh, Canadian, you can't teach the Book of Romans in Canada because of what it says about gays and all these kind of things. But you know what made me happy day for Canada? When that girl from Canada won the U.S. Open in tennis. First time ever, did you see it? First time ever a Canadian athlete won the U.S. Open of tennis. And she expressed her faith. You know what she did? She did what I used to do when I won a contest. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. With all the Trudeau and all the eyes of Canada on her, the day after all the eyes of Canada on protesting Chick-fil-A in Toronto, her, she who is from Toronto, wins the U.S. Open, beats Serena Williams, and the whole nation's tweeting about it and posting about it, and she wins, and she looks to the heavens and makes a sign of the cross. Now, that's an expression of faith. Good for her. Good for her. They didn't see that one coming, did they? Good for her. Good for Drew Brees. 
using his platform to say, take your Bibles to school on Bible Day. Man, we don't shrink back because cowardly people try and strike fear in us. We are the church. And we don't hope for victory. We come from victory. And whether the Table of Babel is built in our backyard by some government trying to threaten us with everything good that's in our life, we are the church. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't fear for me. I don't fear for my father. I don't fear for my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren or those who come after me. Because as long as Jesus isn't done, he's going to preserve, protect, and prosper and work powerfully through his church. And there's going to be women who make the sign of the cross in their moment of victory. There's going to be men who are Super Bowl Hall of Famers who say, take your Bible to church and don't worry what people say. And all the people have attacked Franklin Graham, and he has been attacked, hasn't he? Who did the government ask? Who did the UN ask to go to the Bahamas? Who's the first person they asked? Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse. See, that's the kind of stuff that builds up our faith and encourages our faith tonight. Because you got them building the Tower of Babel at the UN with all their globalist money, and they still can't figure out how to get to Bahamas and do something efficiently and effectively as someone who names Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Franklin Graham. See, we're the church. Because we don't say, I can do it. We say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We don't say, let's make a name for ourselves. We say, let's glorify the Lord. And God says, he that honors me, I will honor. And if, you be, if we lift ourselves up, God will bring us down. Because God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble, whether it's an individual, a family, or a nation, or a church. The Tower of Babel. What? We're told in Revelation 5, we're going to rule and reign with him. When Nebuchadnezzar said to Meshach, Shach, and Abednego, because after Daniel had the dream about the statue and everything, the gold, Nebuchadnezzar, the dream was actually gold, silver, bronze, and the clay and all that, and iron. Nebuchadnezzar was like, he took the dream, he interpreted it for how he saw himself. He made a 90-foot gold statue. The whole thing is gold. Forget those other kingdoms, it's all about me. And he built that statue, and he played his music. He had his DJs like we do, right? He played his music, and he said, when I play the music, everybody worships the statue, which is me. He's an antichrist. Nimrod, Nebuchadnezzar, antichrist. And what did Meshach, Shagan, and Abednego, those guys say? Hey, man, we don't... Hmm. Our God's able to deliver us from you, but even if he doesn't, we are never bowing down to you. And when they went in the fire, were they there alone? Let's all do that together. No. This is like pre-K class tonight. No. No. Who was with them in the fire? One like the Son of God. We will never be alone when we stand for the Lord and we speak up for truth. And we might be demonized by a society or even an entire planet that does not want the name of Jesus mentioned among them. But we want to be found faithful. Because whatever people do this side of time, space, and matter, they don't determine how we stand before the Lord and what kind of rewards and fruit we have when we stand before the Lord. We do. Because we all have the choice to let Jesus Christ govern our hearts, our minds, and our lives. And no global government, no Tower of Babel, no Nimrod, no Nebuchadnezzar, or anyone else can take that from us. We'll always have that. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I don't fear the globalist bankers. I don't fear global government, and nor should you. But I'm not ignorant to these things. Like Paul said, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. 
We're not ignorant to the times and seasons we live in. It began here, and it looks like it's ending right around here, the full course. But it strengthens my faith, and it should strengthen your faith, because what a special time that we get to be alive and serving Jesus Christ. What a special time to confess Christ as Lord and Savior. Because Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So what a special time. What a special time to be living for Jesus Christ. He has his purposes for the nations. And I believe as long as the church is here and Jesus hasn't come for us, we will continue to see nation distinctions. I believe we'll continue to see the opportunities for the church. Because, see, this all comes full circle for us as the church on this closing thought. The Great Commission by Jesus Christ in a, on a planet with nations and different ethnicities to the apostles was to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And what did he say before that? All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations commanding them to obey the things that I've taught you and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. So you see, let conniving, striving, demonized people do what they're going to do. This is not our home. We're like Abraham. He looked for the Sioux Chad Foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was a pilgrim. God gave him all of Israel, and he never bought a piece of property except for the one he buried his wife on. Never built a house. He's a tent dweller. We're pilgrims. That's what we are. That's what we've always been. Strangers, foreigners, pilgrims. We're a peculiar people. We're just passing through. We're like in a terminal, a connection terminal, an international flight. Remember that day I spent all day at Heathrow Airport waiting for my flight. All the flights kept going. I thought, this is just like eternity. We're all sharing this space, and then you get on your flight, and you're gone. And someday we're going to get the call. And we want to be faithful with what we're doing until we get the call. The Great Commission and the gospel message is the most, it's the only message that truly matters on this planet. And that's why it's so attacked by the devil. It's the only message that saves. And that's why it's so attacked by the devil. I was thinking about this because I saw a Christian fish sticker on a car recently, yesterday. I haven't seen a fish sticker on the back of a car for a long time. I was like, wow, old school fish sticker. And I thought of the Darwin sticker. And how back in the 90s, they, you know, all those that hate Christ, they, they made the Darwin sticker. They're like, oh, it can go together. No, it doesn't go together. Those people don't put a Darwin sticker on the back of their car like, hey, we believe in God too. We came from tag poles. No, it's, it's opposing worldviews. It's their taunting and blasphemy of Jesus Christ. I tried to Google today countries where various religions are oppressed. And I, could, I put in various major religions. Obviously, anti-Semitism is very uh, profound across the planet for obvious reasons. Because in the end, there's still unfinished business with Israel. You, you can find all kinds of stuff on Christianity. I've tried to find some other world religions. They're basically tolerated pretty much everywhere. Pick your world religion. Countries where you cannot share this faith, Taoism, Buddhism, Confucianism, whatever. Countries where, you know, there's oppression and people are put in death camps for these things. They're just not there. Christianity? No less than 50 countries extremely hostile and oppressive against the gospel of Jesus Christ. We represent the truth, and we represent the king, and we represent the coming kingdom. And we should not be moved by fear, but faith. Ours is the Great Commission. 
That's what we do what we can at Labor of Love in our own community. We do what we can with Harvest and Greg Laurie in our region. We do what we can in support of other people like Franklin Graham in the Bahamas right now. Whatever we can do, we do the best we can. We do the best we can. We let Christ govern our hearts and our minds. We let Christ govern our homes. And we let Christ govern this church. And whatever government wants to let him govern them, well, we vote and pray with our personal convictions based upon our faith. And then we just give it to the Lord, which is what God says to do. He says to pray for those in leadership and give them to the Lord. And so we do. But our kingdom's coming. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And we have these two opposing paths. The narrow gate that leads to life, and if you enter thereby, and the broad path that leads to death that oppresses, attacks, and is seeking to do everything it can to silence this witness. But we are his witnesses. We are his witnesses. You are his witness. I am his witness to our relatives, to our family, to the people we share Southern California with, to the ends of the earth, to the shoeboxes we'll be packing and sending around the world. So let us not be moved by oppressive antichrist forces that seek to stop the gospel, but let us be moved by our confidence in Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, and trust in his plans for the nations, trust in his plans for our church, trust in his plans for our home, and trust in his plans for our life, and let him govern us. Because Romans 8 tells us nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So for the 10 booms, and we live in Europe, when the Nazis are marching up and down the streets, he still governs us. And if they come and take away everything, they take it away. But he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So let us be moved by faith, not fear, for such a time as this. Do not fear the Tower of Babel, because we are the people of Abraham and Sarah and the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.